return is very close And so you better be believing that our God is an awesome God Our God is an awesome God Welcome to a service at Holy Life Tabernacle in Brookings, South Dakota. We are proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Now let's go into the sanctuary and here's today's message. Tell you what, you sure want to be a fan for just look at just look at you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are planned out, well thought out, eleven systems in the human body. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing when you think of the intricacies, the fine, fine details, minuscule details that God thought of, minuscule. And he thought of all those things. He's a planner, all right? And then we had a message on hindrances to God's plan, uh, that there can be hindrances. We have an adversary, the devil, who wants to try to stop what God is doing. Of course, he can't stop it, amen, but hinder it. He can try to hinder those things. And, and uh, then, of course, we talked last week even on personal hindrances. And one of those hindrances is procrastination. In other words, putting things off. And things that we might know we should do, but then put it off for another day. And that's really human nature to do that, to put things off. Uh, Pharaoh, remember, the, remember Pharaoh says to, or Moses says to Pharaoh, when should I tell the frogs to leave? Now, they're, in their, they're in their houses, they're in their beds, they're everywhere. And Pharaoh says, tomorrow. Always baffles me how, how that would be. I mean, if it was my wife, she would say, right now, these frogs are going. And uh, yet he said, tomorrow, and, for, and Moses said, all right, be it according to your word. Tomorrow, then they're going to be gone. So procrastination is one of those things. Uh, some quotes we had, someday is not a day of the week. <laughs> like, like, I'll get to that someday. That's not a day of the week, all right? Uh, procrastination is opportunity's assassin. Sometimes if you think too long about doing something, it becomes its own undoing. In other words, the paralysis of analysis. You think about it, think about it, think about it, but just never do it. You got to do things, amen? The best way to get something done is to begin. So triumph starts with try. Everything starts, you've got to try. You've got to start someplace, Amen? got to start someplace. you got to get going. Turn to your neighbors. you got to get going. Tell your neighbor. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. said, you don't have to see the whole staircase. You just have to take the first step. <laughs> just have to take the first step. Sometimes we're waiting to see some grand picture, and it's like, most of the time in life, it's a step at a time. The word is a lamp under my feet, a light under my path. So it's not like leading me down two miles down the road, or the headlights in your car are only in front of the car. Uh, and that's how life is. You take a step at a time, a day at a time, and you plan and you prepare and you make decisions. Amen? Uh, make decisions. I like this quote. Today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. <laughs> all right. All right. We talked about uh, Luke knows all about fishing. He's like a professional fisherman. And... Uh, they go out and, and uh, catch fish. You know, they, they should have cameras. You could have a TV program. should have cameras there. And uh, the fish, uh, uh, I've only been out a couple times, but it's always been like an experience of my life. And uh, yet, think about it, you know, like you, can't, you can talk about fishing, but that's not fishing, right? 
You can talk about it. You can read about fishing, but it's not fishing. I can watch programs on TV about fishing, but it's not fishing. When I was a kid, there was a magazine called In Fisherman. And I can read about fishing stories and so forth, but it's not fishing, right? I can go to the store. I can buy a license to fish, but it's not fishing. Isn't that right? I can buy the tackle. I can have a rod and a reel and so forth. I can have a net. I can have a cap. I can have lures hanging off. I can look the part, but it's not fishing. Isn't that right? I fish. You guys caught fish today too? Oh man! It's all the time. Of course, they want the walleyes. They want the the best. You know, the the best of the best. So, so you know, fishing. You know, I can go to get in the boat. I can be in the boat with with Luke and so forth. But I'm not fishing. I'm on the water. I'm in the boat. I'm doing all those things. It's not fishing until you put the bait in the hook and put it in the water, a lake, river, where there's fish. You put it in the water, and then you are finally fishing. A lot of, a lot of Christians talk a good game. You know, hallelujah, praise the Lord. They got all the lingo down, the Christianese. But living it is another thing, right? Living it is another thing. And that uh, that's, uh, leads me to today's point. <laughs> today's point, I want to talk about change. So, so... Uh, what have you done to change? We, have, we, we talked about people have resolutions, you know. So there's financial resolutions and health resolutions and family resolutions and all that. But what have you done to change? What have you done to change? Now, Romans, Romans just says that in Romans 1, verse 23 to 25, just says that people change the, the glory of the incorruptible God into an image like corruptible man, so on and so forth. God gave them up to their uncleanness, the lust of their hearts, and so forth. They changed the truth of God into a lie. They worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. So, the natural man, the natural man, in other words, it says they changed the truth of the God. But the natural man doesn't want to change. So all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the God, the Bible says. So the sinful man, it's not, like, it's not like they're just saying, you know, I'm going to change today. I'm going to live a different life. I'm not, I'm not going to drink, smoke, carouse, uh, do pornography. Uh, I'm not going to do any of those things. I'm going to speak different. Change. And that's not the world, is it? The world resists change. The natural man, you and I, by nature, because of our old nature, resists change. People don't like change. When's the last time you looked at your new cell phone and they said, oh, they changed it. And then you're looking at it and you're trying to figure it out again and so forth. If you can't figure it out, give it to one of your kids. They'll know right away. They'll know how to run it. But change, you know, people don't like change. You know, what was the quote? I'm trying to think. It was Henry Ford. Henry Ford had this word. He said, uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Anyway, if it, was left up to, if it was left up to people, you'd never change. You'd never change a car. You'd never change anything because people get used to what they've got. People, by nature, we resist change. It's like, don't do anything different. Have you ever done, uh, downloaded a new program on your computer, a new Microsoft? It's the new, it's the greatest. It's like, they move things around. It's all changed. And then you spend days trying to figure it out. How do I turn it off even? Where's that? Where, how do I find these things? So we're resistant, yet, yet it's new, better, and all that. But we resist change. 
Now, we can be resistant, or as a Christian, we can embrace change. You should write down in your notes, embrace. You want to embrace change. Amen? Second Peter chapter 1. So grace and peace is given to us. It's multiplied, actually, through the Word of God. The knowledge of God is the Word of God. So it's multiplied to us. Interesting enough, here, grace and peace is multiplied. Look at how many Christians have no peace. Look at how many Christians, as I've talked before in this church, how many Christians are angry. They're angry. They're angry at something. They're angry at the government. They're angry at this. They're angry at that. They have no peace. And yet the Bible says peace can be multiplied to you. In other words, as things get worse, you should have more peace because of the presence of God, because of the Word of God. You should not have less peace. You should have more peace as you absorb yourself in the Bible. So I can always tell Christians when they're, they're this and that and this. I tell them, well, they're not in the Bible. They're not reading about the Prince of Peace, who's Jesus Christ. You can always tell. I mean, it's not, this is not rocket science, folks. Like litmus tests here. So grace and peace is multiplied through the Word of God. Through our Lord and Savior, the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. Now, notice what it says. His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now, we've read these scriptures. We've taught on these scriptures. But it's given through the knowledge of him, through the word, that's called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world that is through lust. Now, these are, these are wonderful promises. Amen? Here's scripture. We, we realize we can partake of the divine nature. But, look at the things. It says it's given to us. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Great and precious promises uh, are given to us. So, what have you done with what has been given? Because based on that, it says this, you, you, it's not automatic. Based on that, you might be partakers. So there's a lot of Christians. Now, they were first called Christians at Antioch because they looked like Jesus. In our country, we have myriads of people called Christians that have no resemblance whatsoever of Jesus. You got all kinds of people in churches that, that go to church but have no resemblance of Jesus. Talk about the world, act like the world, all these things, no resemblance of Jesus. Now, that should challenge us because if promises are giving, then I have to do something with those promises. If I'm going to partake of the divine nature, all right, if I'm going to partake of the divine nature, then I must change. Say change. So I have to change. This old man has to change to become like the new man in Christ. So change has to happen. So nothing's automatic. Promises are given, all right? You might be partakers of the divine nature. And Christians say, hallelujah, boy, that's good. That's wonderful, wonderful. What are we going to have for lunch? And forget all about it. Forget all about, forget all about changing. Forget all about what it, what it means. Or think about the divine nature. I want the divine nature and so forth. But not realizing if you want that nature, you have to exchange your old. You have to get rid of your old to get rid of the new. So just because something is spoken doesn't mean you have it. You have to receive it. You have to apply it. This is a lifelong thing here. Partaking of the divine nature is this lifelong process. 
President Lincoln said in 1863, gave an emancipation proclamation. He said, all the slaves are free. It's a written decree. It was a governmental order. And so it goes all across all the land. All the slaves are free. Were all the slaves free? No. A lot of people didn't know about it, but even those who did know about it, it still took a long time, like over a hundred years. Continues to this day for this transformation. So just having, quote, the word, there's a big difference between having something and changing. Big difference between having and doing. They're two different things. So change is critical in our lives. That's what we're talking about here. All right, so we, we talk about God's plans and all these things. We can talk about hindrances. And we, that's the devil and so forth. We can talk about procrastination. Now we get down to this place. We must change. Turn to your neighbor and say, you must change. <laughs> that's just, that's just a fact, right? And you're not changing once. This isn't a prayer issue like we're going to come to the prayer line and boom, you're all changed. You're all changed. No, this is a walk. This is a daily life of change and different things happening in our lives, right? Everyone thinks, the change, uh, thinks of changing the world and no one thinks of changing themselves. I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to reach my destination. Someone said, the pessim- we had this in the bulletin, the pessimist complains about the wind, the optimist expects to change it, and the realist adjusts their sails. You must take personal responsibility. You cannot change, lots of times, circumstances or seasons or the wind, but you can change yourself. That's something you're in charge of. You know, I can't go out and make a decree. The world changes today! Folks, that just isn't, that isn't biblical. In fact, now you got to understand this. Even, even if you read your Bible, the nations were given to the devil. So people who go proclaiming over the nation, proclaim over the United States. You're barking up the wrong tree, folks. Jesus did not do that. He never addressed Caesar, didn't pray against the Roman Empire, didn't pray for Israel, didn't do any of those things. He prayed for people. If you read your Bible, then you begin to understand stuff. We want to change all the stuff. And really, God said, I want you to change so you can reach your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. When people get born again, then they begin to change. We like, we love it. Hey, I'm going to make a proclamation. All these things we're doing and we don't change. I know a lot of mean Christians. They're mean. They are. They're mean. They say, I speak in tongues. You're not spirit You don't even touch spirit filledness. Because you don't like people. You don't like this person, that person. You're creating all these enemies. You're mean. And Jesus is not there. People say, well, we prophesied in your name. And so did Jesus say that. You prophesied in my name. Wasn't even among you. Must know the Bible. So that we're changing. How are we changing? Into his image. I'm not changing into an American. Ah, well, the gospel. People are watching us all over the world right now. So these messages go to many nations. And hundreds and hundreds of people have the opportunity to plug in to the tabernacle. And share it. And you can share this message. 
People from nations. It's not about us. It's about him. And Jesus is everywhere. Hallelujah. He is everywhere. He is the changer. He changed with the Holy Spirit. He changes us to be like what? To be like him. Amen. These are critical things, folks. In these days, in these hours, and all the stuff that's going on in the world, myriads of stuff, winds of doctrine blowing. But if you listen to us, we're teaching you to win week by week. We're teaching you to win in your life. We're teaching you to win in your home. We're teaching you to win with your family. We're teaching you to be a light on your job. This is where life is. You get off in the other streams, no life. No life. Change is a huge thing. John Maxwell said change is inevitable. Growth is optional. Really optional. How much you want to grow. Oh, here's the Henry Ford comment. If I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said don't change anything. Why? Because people are resistant to change. They're comfortable with the old way. Not everything that is faced can be changed, but nothing can be changed until it's faced. So what does that mean when I read the Word of God? The Word of God is like a mirror. So when I read the Word of God, it gives me a reflection. Instantly, Bible reading schedules available on the back table. You've got to read the Bible. Can't overdose in the Bible. When I read the Word of God, it's like the Lord speaking to me. And what is He speaking to me about? About who He wants me to be. About changes in my life. I'm always amazed. People can, people can come to church and so forth and never change. Do we need me to go to a different mic? Okay. They can come and never change. In, out, same. I grew up that way in the denominationalism. People went in one church, same. Never changed at all. So a lot of people become Christians. I prayed the sinner's prayer in, in 1702. Well, have you changed since that? Has there been any change? Well, yeah, I, I did this and this, but is change ongoing? Show me someone who thinks they've arrived, and I'll show you somebody who's a fool. Paul the Apostle said, I've not arrived. We're scratching the surface here. We're learning all the time, every day, to be like Jesus. Amen? So, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Any man in Christ is a new creature. Old things pass away. He's a new creation. Old things pass away. All things become new. So, when you get converted, when you come to the Lord, you get converted. Amen? Hallelujah? Change begins at conversion. It doesn't stop there. It that's the start. Amen? Life's like, starting the engine. All right, here we go. Change, any man, old things pass away, it means they change. Say change. To become a new creation, amen, obviously we have to change, right? Now, so, sometimes you can change the outward man like, well, we got that done. What about the inward man? What about your thoughts? What about your personal habits? What about the things, the secret things in your life? 
Change is something that is constant. Amen? If you stop changing, you stop becoming new. So if I stop changing, if I stop changing, then, then my old life will continue to dominate areas that they shouldn't. So if I stop changing, I've stopped becoming new. Any man in Christ is a new, new, new. I got born again a lot of years ago, but I still want to be new, right? I still want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. I still want to know the Word of God. I'm learning the Word. I've read the Bible dozens and dozens and dozens of times, cover to cover, but I'm still reading it today. Because I want to walk in the newness of life that He gives us by the Holy Spirit, and that means I constantly must Change. Turn to your neighbor and say, change is good. Change is good. All right, James chapter 2. Just talks about faith. James 2 and some scriptures here. What does it profit? Someone says he has faith, but no works. So in other words, you can talk a good game, but it's different than living a good game. Right? Faith by itself does, does not have works is dead. Faith that doesn't have works is dead. Someone says, you'll have faith and have works. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. So in other words, in other words, there's actions, right? There's actions to our faith. There are things that change. If I want to have a good marriage, it means I have to change. I have to change. So many times we're looking at somebody else. They've got to change. They've got to do this. And that. No, we all have to change. It's a two-way street. Marriage is a team, right? Both partners must change. Now, when do we change? When we said, I do. It's bliss. It's perfect for the whole rest of the time. No. We're two people. So day by day, right? Day by day, we work at this, at, at being a husband and wife. We work at communication. We change. Work with your kids. You're changing. They're changing. Communication. All of these things are important in our lives, right? So faith has actions to it. It's things that we have to do in our lives. If, otherwise, we're just talking a good game. A guy can say, I've got faith. And again, folks, people can say, I'm spirit-filled. Why are you spirit-filled? I spoke in tongues. Uh, so what? The whole term spirit-filled means you're saturated with the Holy Spirit. If you're saturated with the Holy now listen to me close. If you're saturated with the Holy Spirit, that person is going to talk about Jesus all the time. If I'm around believers and they're not talking about Jesus, then I question their spirit filledness. They can be talking, folks, even you can be in love with sports. I've been there. Won't save your soul. You can have all kinds of causes, but it won't save your soul. So, Christian, if your spirit Feel just by the nature of that word, you're filled with Jesus. Filled. If I'm filled, then I don't have room for all this other stuff that basically is garbage of the world that infests the body of Christ. Don't have time for it. I have time for Jesus. I have time for life. Time to live life. So talk last week, I think it was last week, talking about our grandkids. They know we love Jesus. 
So we could, we can walk out into a game on the, we did the other night, walked out of the game on the basketball court, blessed them, hugged them, and so forth. Other kids are around, people are around. They're going to hear about Jesus. That's a good thing, right? You want to ooze Jesus. Someone bumps into you, ooze Jesus. <laughs> See, people are abrasive. Christians are so abrasive, and it's sad. They're like sandpaper. I don't like the world. I don't like those people. I don't like what they're doing over there. I don't like that. They're abrasive. Offend, offend, offend. And who wants to be around those people? Nobody. But Jesus is sweet. Jesus is sweet. We minister to people, we minister to people from all branches of society. We minister to Democrats. Hallelujah. We minister to people in the gay and lesbian community. Hallelujah. We minister to people that have all kinds of different beliefs. Hallelujah. We are friends with people in those areas. Hallelujah. Jesus was a friend to sinners. He didn't go out throwing, you know, the D word. You're damned, you're damned, you're damned. Didn't do that. I like the F word. Forgiven. Forgiven. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. So what happens then? Then people will reach out. If you build a wall, no one's, no one's going to climb your wall to get to you to, hey, now, can you tell me about the truth? No, because, because your truth isn't probably the truth. They're not going to do that. But if you have Jesus out there, then people think, you know, I really need some help. We have that. People contact us. They want help. They want prayer. They realize, some people realize even, you think they were so far gone, and all of a sudden, out of the clear blue, they say, I need some help. And God's been talking to me. And you're the person I think that can help me. And we think, hallelujah. Yes, we can help you. Oh, it's really amazing, folks. It's amazing what God's doing today. It's amazing to me what God, what the Holy Spirit is doing today in touching lives. Jesus said in Luke, Jesus said in Luke, chapter 5, he said, again, human nature to resist change. But Jesus said here, no one having drunk the old wine immediately desires the new, for he says the old is better. This is human nature. We're not talking about booze here, by the way. Let's get the disclaimer out there, right? This isn't a booze issue. But the human nature says the old is better. The old seems better until we try the new. Old seems better. I grew up as a youngster, you know, I was a picky eater. <clears throat> so I'd, I'd scoop, I'd have everything separated on my plate and so forth, and nothing could touch, and didn't like vegetables and different things. And so, so uh, then my parents made me sit at the table until I ate those vegetables. And I didn't like it, you know, and I thought I'll show them, and I sat there, and meanwhile everybody else was gone, my brothers are gone, and so forth. And finally I realized, well, I'm going to eat the vegetables, so I learned to just pinch my nose and throw them down so I didn't have to taste them. So I go to college, go to SDSU and so forth, get saved, hallelujah, graduate from college, and I go to Southeast Asia, and I spend weeks in Southeast Asia with no American food. I went skinny, and I came back real skinny. And I learned to eat all kinds of things. All kind. There's one thing I didn't eat, you know, they buried this egg, and they did some stuff, and they dug it up, and said, you want, you want an egg? And I said, no, thanks. But I ate all kinds of stuff. And we were in places, we ate snake and we ate dogs. 
And we had every kind of fish imaginable, and the fish was laid out in the plate, and they ate the eyeballs and the innards and everything else and the bones. And, and uh, one place I was at, and I said, what are we eating today? And they just said, don't ask. Don't ask. <laughs> now, I came home from that trip after many weeks, and I was cured. You know, the old always seemed better. Now I tried other stuff, and I realized, wow, there's a lot of good food out there. Should have some amens, right? You know, you have to try, turn to your neighbor and say, try something new. Got to change. You got you to change. Sometimes it's the smallest decisions that can change your life forever. Just different decisions. Slowness, slowness to change usually means fear of the new. I just want to say this. If you're thinking about the things of God, we don't have to be afraid of God. He's not going to do something bad. It's not, it's not like, I'm going to change you and you're just going to suffer the rest of your life. No, he's not that way. He's a good God who does good things. Amen? When you blame others, listen to this. When you blame others, you give up your power to change. Always blaming somebody else. Somebody else is the fault. You see that all over the body of Christ. They're pointing fingers and this and that and so forth. And if you were in a game, they'd give you a technical foul for taunting. <laughs> you can't do that in the game. Can't do that in the court. It's taunting. Technical foul. You've got to quit that. But in church, oh, look at that. Look, this and that and this. Forget about the me, me change. What, me? Could consider it. You could consider it. Maybe that would be a good thing in your life. To think about. Listen to this one. Excuses change nothing, but make everyone feel better. Got an excuse. Well, I can't change. Well, I can't this. Everyone feels better about it because we've got a, this great big club where nobody changes. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 just says that if we're risen with Christ, we set our affections on heavenly things. All right? Notice, here's, here's the if. If you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you should seek heavenly things, godly things, where the Lord is at. Set your mind on things above. Now, to do these things, to seek, to set, means you change. All right? Because why? In the natural, I'm seeking other things, and I realize, oh, I need to change to seek heavenly things. My mind in the natural is going to gravitate just to the world, because we're in the world, right? We're all in this world, so we all have to deal with these things. So my mind in the natural is worldly things. I hear the news, and I hear all these things going on. So I have to, I have to change my mindset. I have to change my mindset and put it on godly things. Change. Otherwise, we make an excuse. Oh, we all understand. We understand these things. This is the world. This is how we is. And we justify how we are without changing. Turn to your neighbor again and say, you need to change. Everybody needs to change. Anybody who's listening to me right now, if you name the name of Jesus Christ, you should be changing on a daily basis in your life. To be like Jesus. Not to be who you want to be, not to who you think you ought to be, to be like Jesus, which you find in the Word of God, in Scripture. Go on from there in Colossians, the fifth verse and following. Then it says, put to death your members which are on earth. Put to death. Now, mortify is another word. 
But well, let's, let's put another word. To, what are we going to do with our members, these old things we're going to change? Say change. So we're going to change these members, these things. These are like habits. These habits, which we've had. Well, we've had four. Now, now listen now. Let me un- say this clearly. Do you want to go to the, this one? Let me, let me say this clearly. He's addressing Christians. All right? So he's not addressing the world. He's addressing believers. If you're in Christ, he's addressing believers. So believers, in other words, in the church is fornication. In the church. In the church is uncleanness. In in the church is evil passions and so forth, desires, covetousness, idolatry. In the church. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes on the sons of disobedience. In the church. In which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. Now, once walked, which means they should have changed. But unless we're prompted through Scripture and the Holy Spirit, because we put ourselves on the altar, let me just tell you something. You will not change. You can say, I'm a living sacrifice. But listen, if you want to pamper your flesh, you'll crawl off that uh, altar every day. I'm going to do my own thing. (laughs) Change is critical, folks. Critical in the body of Christ. Critical in Christians. We're not addressing the world here. We're addressing the believers. So you want to, to yield yourself to put off. Say change. You have to put off. It's, uh, folks, again, I can, I can preach here before. I see so many angry people. Less angry Christians. Angry Christians. Christians have angry prayer meetings. Wow. How does this work? They're angry. And they're directing God on what he should do. And Wow. Angry. Wrath. Malice. Remember... Anger is one letter short of danger. And I'm here to tell you there's a lot of people walking on dangerous ground. Because they're just, they're just doing what they feel the Spirit is leading them. Foreign to the Bible. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language. Filthy language in the believers. Believers swearing. Believers cussing. Believers talking like the world. Where do you go to church? <gasps> don't say the tabernacle. Don't, don't say that. Say the kingdom hall or something else. You know what I mean? Don't say the tabernacle. It's just sad. It's just sad. Shouldn't, it should, should this be? Should, of course it shouldn't be. But the thing is, the issue is, and I have to tell you, every day, every day without exception, God's working on me. He's working on Dave. Am I saved? Hallelujah, saved. Am I living in revival? We are living in revival. We're having a great time. Jeannie and I are living in revival. We just, we feel very, very blessed. Very, very excited. And yet, and yet, you can say, oh, there's light out. But until you get close to the sun and you see the brilliance and you realize, wow, there's a spot over here. I didn't even see that. Well, there's a blemish here. I didn't even see that. And the light exposes things so that we can change. Now listen, it's for my benefit. It's for my wife and family and my kids and my grandkids and for you and everybody else, right? So, so we put these things. This should never be in a believer's mouth. If you're a believer, you should not be a swearer. Plain and simple. 
what do you got to do? Change. Well, I, I just, it just comes out. Change. And you work on it. You change, right? Say change. Don't lie. People lie. There's liars all over. Liars. Since you put off the old man of disease. Well, since you've done that, don't do that. If you say, I've changed the old man, of course, this is a process now, then we shouldn't be lying. We put on the new man. Put on means we change. It's the dressing room of God. All right? We go in the dressing room. We got all this dirty stuff on. And we go in the dressing room. We put on something clean. Something new. Something fresh. People, lots of people like new clothes. I want to be dressed from heaven all the time. Really, My natural clothes might not be the greatest always, but hey, the new one is good. Put on the new man, which is renewed in, not, in, in the word. According to what? According to the image of Jesus Christ. So what we're putting on is Jesus. What we smell like, oh, it smells good. It smells like Jesus. I mean, if people see you, if people are around you, how do they feel? How do they feel when you're around you like, oh, well, can I get away from him? Can I get away from her? Can I get away from this conversation? Or do they sense the love of God? Do they sense grace? Amen? We're putting on a new image. The new image is of Jesus Christ. Here's a quote. Did you know about 40% of everything we do on a daily basis is habitual? So you get up, you just have habits. We all have habits. These aren't aren't bad things. They're just habitual habits, right? This means a big part of our lives is almost entirely on autopilot. Think through this for a second. Evaluate your habits. Do they empower you or disempower you? Spiritually, then. Does it empower you or disempower you? Do they limit you or free you? Do they help you or hinder you? Got to think about the things. Amen? Nothing happens until the pain of remaining the same outweighs the pain of change. Say it again. Nothing happens until the pain of remaining the same outweighs the pain of change. I remember in my life at one time, we, we, for years we send out letters to drunk drivers. Things were in the paper. We sent out letters to drunk drivers and so forth. Occasionally we got some response. Some was good, some was not good. Someone said one time, why would you send me that letter? I said, because I was one. You were what? I said, I was a drunk driver. I've been in your shoes. I said, I didn't get a ticket. Fortunately, I didn't kill somebody, but I was a drunk driver. There's a lot of times I looked at my life and thought, you're a mess. I wasn't saved yet, but just thinking, you're a mess. Look at yourself. You should change. But no power. Until I got saved. Until the Holy Spirit came. And then there was power to change. Hallelujah. Where you don't have to stay the same. Many people out there in the world realize, yeah, I'm lost. I need help. (laughs) Someone guide me here. And then you can share with them about what? About Jesus. Now listen, folks. Your cause is not going to save somebody's soul. You can tell the whole world about your cause. Won't save their soul. They're going to hell. But unless you share Jesus, then you give them an opportunity to change. The power of the Holy Ghost to change. 
That's why our witness is always about Jesus. Everybody we talk to. Everywhere we go. Everywhere you go, oh, people want to know. So we tell them. We are the Christians, mighty, mighty Christians. All right, enough of that. Real transformation requires real honesty. You have to be honest. Who are you going to be honest with? Yourself, right? If you want to move forward, get real with yourself. We can blame, they they should have done this, and they should have done that, and they should change. Folks, the fingers always come back to you and I. Don't don't do the blame game. Don't do that. Transformation is going to happen when we get honest. I get honest when I'm quiet. I'm with the Lord. He talks to me. He exposes, and I say, thank you, Jesus. And transformation happens. And I change a little bit more today. And I change a little bit more the next day. And I change a little bit more in how I do things. That's good. That's very good. One writer said, Zig Ziglar, there's no elevator to success. You have to take the stairs. What does that mean? Well, you mean I got to work at this? Yeah. I mean, I just want to say, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Just pick me up. All right, hallelujah. All done. I got the victory. Hallelujah. No, it doesn't work that way. Got to take the stairs. You got to work at it. How does, how, do, how, do you be, how does one become a butterfly? You must want to fly so much more that you're willing to give up being a caterpillar. You got to want to change, in other words, right? Philippians 3 says that he would change our vile body. He shall change our vile. Now, let's be honest. It is vile. We just read about all those other things. That's vile. All right. So we can be fashioned like his glorious body. That's a good exchange, right? If we lay down, if I lay down my life, but I get to take up his life, wow, that's a, that's a, that's a worthy exchange. Good to do that. So we're changed so that we can be changed into his image. Ephesians chapter 4 says then that, that, again, we put off, we change the former conduct. This former conduct doesn't change because you pray to sinner's prayer. It changes because you choose to change. In the inside, you're making choices to change. The old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. The old man. We're renewed, though, because of the Word of God. New mindset. And we put on, we change, we put on a brand new man. This is a process. This brand new man is created in righteousness, true righteousness and holiness. This brand new man. Wow, change. Thank you, Jesus, for change. But it takes some effort. You know, you go to Philippians chapter 2 again. Philippians chapter 2 says, uh, as you've obeyed, now when my presence, do it now when I'm not there. Keep working with fear and trembling to complete your salvation. King James, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, right? Because God is at work in you to make you willing and able to obey his own purpose. So we keep working. We keep challenging ourselves. We keep growing. We're born again in an instant. But discipleship is a process that lasts our lifetime. And we will never stop. 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 just says, 
uh, you, you greatly rejoice. Even now you have various trials in this life. You know, trials, look at, you can look at them like, you know, I need to change. Many, many people are upset. Oh, boy. Just upset at others. Offenses. Offenses. Offenses in the body of Christ. And so they ran, Pastor ran a ministry message. Offenses, if you have an offense, you're building a fence. You're building a fence. So, so we have to understand that trials, again, can come to change us. We can, we can work through that. We love Jesus even though we don't see him. And it says, ultimately, we're receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Well, when we finally conclude this life, then salvation is complete. But in the meantime, you're born again, true, but salvation is a process. Saved, healed, delivered, set free. It's a process in our life. The life of God in us. So the salvation continues until we actually die, and then it's over. Now, I don't, need, I don't need salvation. I don't need faith when I see him face to face. Before I don't see him, now I see him. Hallelujah. Now salvation is complete. So in the meantime, change, 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 change. Every day, change, change, change. Turn to your neighbor and say, change is good. <laughs> Discipline is choosing between you want now and what you want most. There's a commercial on TV. I, I never like it, you know, but it's very American. You know, it's about people who get a settlement from some uh, insurance settlement or so forth. And so they have structured payments and so forth. And the, the basic commercial says it's my money and I want it now. Basically, they should say, I'm an American and I want to act like an idiot. Yeah. Go ahead and do that. Because who's making the money? Well, that company's making the money. I want everything now. I want it now. Young people, I want it now. What are you going to do in life? I don't know, but I want to make money. Okay. Might take a little work. You ever think about that? Might take some work. You might have to change your behavior. What do you want now and what do you want most? So I look at my life, what I want most, there's priorities in life, how I live my life. Your family, your spouse, or your children, or your grandchildren, priorities. They don't take you away from Jesus, but they're priorities of ministry. And then what I want most is I want to reach people. What I want now, what I want most. Well, the discipline will help me to choose what's the best. Feeling, listen to this. Feeling sorry for yourself and your present condition is not only a waste of energy, but it's the worst habit you could possibly have. Oh, woe is me. My life is hard. My condition is hard. You don't understand. Things are difficult. Well, I know somebody who does. It's the worst habit you could have. Day after day after day. Complain, complain, complain. Life is hard. Complain, complain. That's the worst habit you could have. Because you'll never change. We never change until we take responsibility. Until I take responsibility for who? I'm not here to lead my wife's life. I'm responsible for my life. If I live my life right, I will be a blessing to her, which transmits down to children and grandchildren, which transmits to you and everybody else on the planet, wherever we go in any, any country or whatever. Amen? If we, if we want to direct our lives, 
We must take control of our consistent actions, your actions. It's not what we do once in a while that shapes our lives. It's what we do constantly. What are you constantly doing? You're going to get the fruit of what you're constantly doing. So if I love Jesus, and I love singing his songs, and I love being in the Word, and I love speaking things, then I'm going to take, bear that fruit. Amen? Again, spirit-filled life. Spirit-filled life. Then let's look at the fruitful life. What is the fruit? What is the what, fruit of the Spirit? What does that boil down to? How nice are you? Folks, I'm going to be brutally honest. There's national ministries, TV, Christian ministries. We know people that have worked for them, and they're ruthless. The ministers that on front of the TV, and bless God, and I heard from the Lord. In real life, they're ruthless to their staff. They're mean. They're angry. They fire people. They don't get along with people. Don't get along with their spouse. I know people like that. I know ministries like that. No fruit. No fruit of the Spirit. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Let people come to our pastor's conference that worked in various national ministries. Oh boy. Makes your head spin. Makes your head spin. What does it come down to? This relationship. We're not fooling anybody. You can fool somebody on a camera. We talked to a camera here. You can fool somebody on a camera. How are you in private? How are you with your family? How are you in your personal decisions? Do people like being around you? We've got myriads of people that want to come to our house. They're not all Christians. They're not all Republicans. They're not all straight. But they want to come to our house because of the love of Jesus. And they know they can talk to us, and we're going to give them some straight answers. Powerful. Motivation is what gets you started. Habit is what keeps you going. You can be motivated, but you've got to have a habit. You've got to build a habit. Amen? You'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. Why? Because it's a daily walk. We look at these giant, I'm going to change this, this giant thing. What about today? What about all these other things? The secret of your success is found in your daily routine. That's why we talk about Bible reading. Novel approach, right? So then we get down to the conclusion. Mark 1, verse 1, Mark chapter 1. The conclusion, what are we here for? Jesus said, follow me. That is still out there, folks. Follow me. I'm going to make you. I'm going to change you to be fishers of people. Not just the people you like to be around, everybody. So this change comes in. We become fishers of men. We're changing to be who he wants us to be. To be like Jesus. The message is Jesus Christ. <laughs> Can't get any clearer than that. But if you go back then to 2 Corinthians 3, that we're changed by the Spirit of the Lord. There's liberty. Hallelujah. But we begin, we behold in the Word of God as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord are constantly transfigured into His very own image. Notice, we behold in the Word of God, the mirror, the Word of God. Then we're changed, because people say, glory to glory, yeah, glory to glory. No, 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 no. This isn't just a prayer. It's not a proclamation. It's something you do. You change. You're, it's glory, you're looking in the Word, in the mirror. You're changed. Notice the word constantly. In other words, we don't stop. I'm 69 years old. I'm not stopping. 
Turn to your neighbor and say, finish strong. <laughs> finish strong, right? You don't, you don't stop. You don't retire like, all right, I'm done. All right, we did that. All done. I know it all. No, no. You constantly. We're constantly changing, transfigured into what? Into his image, right? Constantly from glory to glory, from one level to another level to another level. So that, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we become ambassadors. We represent the King of Kings. We represent Jesus. We represent love. We represent hope. We've talked about all those things. We represent all these things for our world today. The church, this lighthouse, this beacon of hope and love and all these things to the world. The message, the gospel message of Jesus Christ. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you. You're here today. You're always working in our lives. But we purpose to submit ourselves to you. And we purpose, not just today, but going forward, to yield to your Spirit. So that we would be like you. So that we would constantly change from glory to glory to glory in the name of Jesus. Help us, Lord, that our thoughts would change. Help us, Lord, that our language would change. Help us, Lord, that bad habits would change. Help us, Lord, that we would be your ambassadors, lights for you in this world, that others would see you in us. And Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you. You're doing so many awesome things today. Wow, what a great day. What a great time to be alive. So I speak blessings over the people here physically, the blessings over the people watching right now. And you can share this. Just hit the share button. Share it with somebody else. I speak blessings over their lives in the Jesus' name. And I thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. You're not finished with us yet. We are your workmanship. You don't make junk. And we thank you. You're doing good things, Jesus. We give you praise, Lord, for all these things. We're excited about you today, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. Come on, let's give him a shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Lead us in the life prayer. The life prayer. I love that. Brother Greg had that inspiration. So, Father, just, just, you know, just close your eyes just for a minute. And just say, Father, thank you for loving me. Just speak it out loud. Father, thank you for loving me. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. I ask you to cleanse me of all my bad habits. I ask you to change me. That I would be like you. I pray, Jesus, that your image would grow in your life. I ask you to be my Savior. I purpose to love you from this time forward. In Jesus' name. In, amen. 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 All right. Bless you. Amen. Come on out tonight. It'll be a fun night. Good night. Hallelujah in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening to this inspirational message. We trust that you were encouraged in your faith. For additional information or resources, please contact the church at 605 692 4616. You can email us at holylife at brookings.net or visit our website at holylifetabernacle.com. If you're in the Brookings area, please stop by to visit a service. We are located at 241 Mustang Pass, just off Main Avenue South. Our service times are Sundays at 10 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. 
also Wednesday nights at 7. God bless you.